0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist hello there so it's a quick turnaround pod this week i'm back from france fresh off the eurostar pretty tired and recording just as united leicester game is being played because well Who cares from an FPL perspective? For new listeners, welcome. I'm Tom. I'm your main host. We are Who Got The Assist, or in this case, I am. An account on Twitter is at WGTA underscore FPL. Lucy is at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. She'll be back on Monday. On the pod today, an update on where I am with my side at the moment, how I did this week, the league update and Market Forces. And there'll also be a big old Q&A covering a lot of questions from Twitter Ahead of the looming game week six, just around the corner. To date, the pod, it is Thursday, the 1st of September in the evening, with before Friday's fr- press conferences, with transfer deadline two going on all around me. I wish I could wait till after the deadline tonight, but I've got work tomorrow and I'm just really tired from traveling. I I'll do my very best though in this pod. Um, I'm sure I might miss, you know, the 50th Norsingham Forest signing of the window. As Lars Liverson said earlier on today, it's a bit like shopping while you're hungry for them. But given how crazy their day has been, I think I just saw like Michi Batshuayi being linked to them or going to them. I think it's to an even greater extreme. It's literally shopping when you've got the munchies. You just literally come out with a bag full of sweets and nothing that you actually went in for. We'll definitely do, by the way, a notable look at the players who have gone in and out, who are significant for FPL with Lucy later next week. Anyway, let's get on to this week. And as I said, the United-Leicester game is still ongoing. So things may change a tad in terms of you know, where I ended up in terms of rank and the mini league. But not too much, i magic. because there's not too many going assets in play at the moment. So how did I do? Well, I got ninety for game week five, which is obviously very pleasing. I'm up to the top fifty k. I think I don't. I don't think anyone's going to not be down too far today, barring you know a ward penalty save and a goal or something. Uh, so top fifty k, which is which has never really happened to me on W G T A. So hey, I've got to enjoy it while it lasts, huh? Uh, Holland hauled with his hat trick, and his EO was high enough that Salah was actually a gain for me this week. Very very small one, mind. But, you know, the twenty, the 10 points was, was very, very good 20 points of captains, of course. And I think Jay Zeus was the only player whose EO was just over 100 for me, but he only got a six. So there wasn't too much damage there either. My main returnees were Edison in goal, Cancelo for his goal and clean sheet, Martinelli with double-digit haul, and Aronson in assist, which was very nice, and as mentioned, Salah with that 10 a shoulder's assist for Carvalho in the final minute, which was worth five points, giving it bump not to two bonus, which is pretty incredible, really. Real sort of a uh, get out of jail for people who do captain Salah and he kind of ends up being a seven point swing or something like that. One key drawback this week was my transfer decision, which was to do Reese James to Kukarea rather than rather than sticking to the initial plan of Archer to Stansfield. So I saw I was on the bus back from the beach that James was invited to play. All these rumors started coming out that he was ill, he had trouble traveled Southampton, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess I was definitely not in the right state of mind to be making a serious decision. You know, I'd had a few beers, et cetera, et cetera. And I should have just done that striker move and waste of information on James, which would really have meant. I mean, it is hindsight, but it would have meant I would have got Pereira's assists instead, but I didn't. Um, and now I'm priced out of getting James straight back unless he falls tonight. So a bit of a rookie a rookie move, really, especially as Archer unexpectedly dropped to 4.4 last night. So I would have preserved team value and be five points better off if I just you know, stayed calm and left James in. But hey, I've got 90 points. I'm in the top 50K. I really can't grumble. I uh, know for once I'm doing better than quite a few people, especially for some of you listening to this. So honestly, <laughs> let's move on. And um, it rarely happens. I'm doing well, as long-term listeners will know. So I completely empathise if you are hoping things improve. I'm sure they will, and I'm sure I'll end up in the doldrum before long. Let's move on to the mini league. Just a quick update from me. As I said, the game is still going on. The mini code is JUXXXE, or as Danny Lyons says, just use triple X. Easy. And there's a bunch of new names at the top in the top ten of the league. Thankfully, no Google Translate needed today, with a new name at number one. And testament to how things are so bunched up at the moment. Only two individuals keeping their slots in the top 10, plus seven individuals joined together in fifth place. Really, really, really tight. Up top, it's Tajiri Mehron, up from third to first with Mayer Optics, with a 74-pointer this week. Did sell Zaha and brought in March, so it could have been better for Tajiri, but nonetheless... He's up to first by just two points in second it's david dart all the way up from 20th to second the team with no name 87 points for david this week sold james and brought in ruben diaz so a nice clean sheet for him there and in joint third keep it up sarah bagad and haven't jotted a clue andy may both of them joined on 380 points 88 points for Sarab, 83 points for andy and then joint fifth, I'm just going to read off the names rather than going through every single team individually. Alex Terry, Rory Dries, Jared Morris, Tom Morton, Rudy Macius, Samson Matthew, and Eric Snathorst. All of them joint fifth. So yeah, incredibly, incredibly uh, it's tight at the top at the moment. Only Samson of those names was in the top uh, top 10 last week. So everyone's completely new. And I think the biggest jump that I saw... Yes, was Eric from 61st up to 5th with an 89-pointer this week. So, yeah, well done, everybody. Let's move on to the market forces very, very quickly. Obviously, the game week is still in progress, but I think things are going to be settled pretty much. I doubt things are going to change too much from the uh, United-Leicester game. being Most brought in, Erling Haaland, of course. Almost half a million managers have brought him in. Where are these people coming from? Surprises me. I've got no idea, kind of, you know... Who hasn't owned him in, in in that in in those sorts of numbers? It seems a bit perplexing, but hey, there you go. In second is Pascal Gross, brought in by 360,000 managers. He, Zaha, and Martinelli have all been brought in by around that sort of figure, so around four hundred thousand or so. And rounding off the top five is Mitrovic. So lots of changes uh, being seen around the attacking spots. Mitrovic being brought in by two hundred seventy thousand managers. In terms of the midfielders uh, being sold being bought, I guess. That's kind of mostly precipitated by uh, the Rodrigo situation. So, loads of people brought him in last week. And he promptly, sadly, did his shoulder in and has now been sold en masse. 825,000 managers thus far have sold the guy. In defence, Reese James and Zinchenko of seeing sales. 431,000 sales for Reese James, 261,000 for Zinchenko. And up front, Ivan tony has been sold by 250,000 managers. I guess people buying Mitrovic from him. And De Bruyne sold by almost 200,000 managers after the no-show this week. So I guess a lot of fluctuation in terms of the premiums too. Hundred seventy one thousand sales for Salah and hundred thirty eight thousand sales for Kane, all probably just as a route to try to get to Erling Haaland. I'm perplexed again by how many people don't own Haaland, but hey, you know it's probably better late than never in terms of jumping on that particular wagon. And I'm, I just just keep selling Reece James, guys, seriously, and girls and others, because you know if he's that six point zero, I can buy him back in one move if he's fit. So yeah, please keep selling. I'd be very very happy if you do so. Move on to the Q&A then. Quite a few questions this week. Thanks very much for those. Uh, I saw them uh, when I was on train one from Montpellier to Paris, and I was doing all the notes then as well. Please forgive me in some of the areas I haven't done as many notes I normally would. But hey, you know, traveling, dodgy internet, what more can you ask her? Uh, The first question this week is from FPL Fail. He asks, has Big at the back, fittingly, failed? So, I mean, I said at the start of the season, before pre season, that there's a natural cadence to every season. Every season's different as I of see through talisman theory every year i see things change a lot in terms of where the points become concentrated and last uh, two years ago i was saying the forwards are bloody amazing we're all going to be on free forwards last season of course i was saying the defenders are are brilliant because that's kind of that reflects the nature of how the points have been distributed throughout the course of the year and things change they grow they adjust and you know that's something that you need to keep in mind so i mean i guess so I suppose I should probably point out, actually, very quickly, that big at the back originates on this very podcast, to some extent, thanks to Nick, actually, um, and that was pointing out that there's value in defenders, and that value was being consistently overlooked by pro managers who always favoured the forwards and the midfielders. So the traditional sort of setup was to have, apart from like something like Layton Baines or something, really cheap defence, just to push all the money forward into your Agueros your Torreses, whatever. So the idea was. Actually, to just pay a bit more than before, not go overboard just slightly more. Just kind of redistribute the balance of how much you were kind of paid for, how much you kind of distributed, allocate for each position. Now, of course, it's taken off uh, on its own, it's taken a life of its own now a little bit. But it's important to note that that's kind of that was the ethos for big at the back. It wasn't really, you know, making it huge at the back, it was trying to harness some of the value of the defenders a bit more than we were doing in, in ye old days, I suppose. Now, let's take to this season. I guess I always thought the big at the back was a bit too much in terms of going with that huge at the back, five at the back. I used the phrase several times in pre-season that it, it's kind of like a general use the tactics that won the last war to try to win the next war. It just felt to me to be too limiting and it precluded the idea that midfielders or forwards could challenge for our attention. Now, obviously, I know full well that you're only two free tra- free transfers away from changing things at any point, but hey, that that was my feeling, and that's how I set up anyway. I kind of backed that with the four four two that I went with, and it's worked out okay for me so far. In terms of the question, has it failed? I suppose that's most influenced by Liverpool in particular being disappointing. Um, outcome has led to the perception that it's not gone as well, particularly because many went that way with double defence, and I can understand why he did it, um, but it hasn't worked out due to that listening of, sort of subpar performances we've seen, the early subs at Andy Robertson as well, have led to him being outscored by the Midfield alternative, which I won't move, which was Diaz, by 14 points. I think Van Dijk as well. I think he nudged about 20% at some point. So yeah, similar disappointment there. But to look through some of the kind of the main components of big at the bat, um, I think let's that, just kind of see if it has actually failed thus far. Now, just to forewarn the purists out there, I'm going to use a lot of per 90 stats here as a proxy to get a snapshot for how well teams have been performing thus far versus last season's averages according to StatsBomb. Now, I'm well aware of all the valid issues one could have with this. It's not kind of the, the most kind of purely scientific method of doing it. If I had more time, I'd have you know, looked at the last X seasons or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's just to create a picture with the evidence available to me of, of how things look in this season bearing in mind of course everything that i said on the stats pod a few episodes back so this isn't kind of you know something that i'm just plucking out of thin air without any kind of understanding of you know data how it should be used properly hey, help me some slack because i said i did my notes on the train from montpellier to paris on very dodgy internet let's start with merseyside so Liverpool's defence is currently fifth from bottom in terms of XGA, expected goals against per 90, 1.13. But compare that to the, the average over last season, 21-22, that was 0.9, which was second best. So it's not looking as good this year as it did last year. Robertson and Trent, the two men who are probably the most salient in terms of Liverpool midfield um, defence, have dropped off in terms of their XGA. So last year, Robertson's was 0.25 per 90, and Trent's was 0.44 per 90. This year, it's 0.13 and 0.23, respectively. So a bit of a drop-off in terms of the expectation that was created last year. And Trent's capabilities are, of course, there for all to see, as we saw in the Bournemouth game. I can see why you've lost patience, basically, in terms of the the defence, or or why you would lose patience with the defence. If you own Robertson now, you've got the patience of the Saints, to be honest, because I would have sold him off already. Would I sell him now ahead of the Merseyside derby with Everson looking feeble though? That's a bit of a tougher question. I would be tempted to kind of think, oh, well, it's, it's kind of some costly, but think, well, I'll give him one more game and then I'll see what happens in terms of reconfiguring after that. On the other hand, you know, so moving on to a different team, City have been meaner thus far than last season. Again, a very, very small sample size. 0.55 XGA, XGA per 90 versus 0.71 last season. Now, I've been on double city defence from the beginning with Edison. uh, Much pilloried by me, as I'll speak about in just a second, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And Cancello, um, worldly this week, but he has been playing as an inverted DM. The stats have not been there for him, but very lucky this week with double-digit Hall. Both of them together have been doing pretty well. Uh, Over the long term, as I said on Datapod last week, during Pep Guardiola's reign, Sissi do tend to keep one clean sheet in every two, which is by far the best ratio in the Premier League. And it's a massive boost to OR when it does happen to get those double cleanies. It's a great differential to have in your setup. And it's logical. You know, if Sissi keep the ball, then the opposition are going to find it harder to score. Full stop. (laughs) And as we saw versus Palace, the reliance is on either really good goals to breach them or a howler. Uh, edison for me i mean i've owned him for a while uh, since the start of the season he's been a bit of a revelation because i i've never really liked an expensive goalkeeper not since the days of dave saves remember that great season when de gea got 170 points something like that martinez as well at 4.5 is very good but having a goalkeeper like him who basically acts like another defender in terms of expected points most weeks being a 50 50 to be a cleanie that's very good i mean obviously arguably that could be walker as well but if edison you know he's going to play and I, I, I like that. And I credit Lucy entirely for that because she said she owned him in preseason. I laughed at it. And then I thought about it a bit more and thought, actually, she makes she's, she's talking some sense here. And obviously, I know that other keepers perform better at a lower price thus far. But it feels like City's defense is the one to back. Um, it, it felt like the one to back for me, at least. So doubling up on elite defense seems to make a lot of sense. It does straightjack what you can do, but it seems like a pretty solid idea to me. So I, I said City's defense hasn't quite failed thus far it's the same that Liverpool's may have moving on to Chelsea uh, you know, Rhys James is the key component of the Chelsea big at the back sort of uh, show uh, he's done all right uh, yes missed the last game of course and he's now an ex-player of mine but hopefully he'll be a player of mine again pretty soon three returns in four and it's it's just it's basically that Chelsea's defence has been utterly holding, and um, that has meant that uh, their defence uh, hasn't kind of shone in the way that it did at times last season. Obviously, towards the end of last season, completely disintegrated after they kind of just gave up on the league. Uh, XGA last season of 0.95 per 90. Now it's 1.21. And to the eye, you can see they're really struggling. I would hope that Fafana would help them out a lot. I'm as I've mentioned a couple of times already pretty live with myself that I sold James uh, I know he's hyped at times by the his community I, I do get that but I think he's got a unique goal threat when he's posted at the right wing back slot in terms of positions he gets into the upside is always there with him and we've seen that this season already with, with the goal that he scored um so I, I'd like to get him back I would um it'd be interesting to see how that kind of works with um the Champions League as well but uh, Kukurea is the other inhabiting main teams at the moment, such as mine, just 5.2. And he was the best for Southampton in terms of progressive passes, uh, according to a lot of the data sources. But I bought him this week and watched closely from France. Uh, and a lot of the time, the passing was, yes, progressive, but not particularly threatening, I felt. And I'm not sure, really. At the price, he could be excellent value of the set of pieces. And he's got mild creative ability, I would say. But Chelsea just haven't sorted themselves out at the back. I do want James back. I don't really care for Kukurea in my squad, so he may not be long for the slot. And for Farner at just 4.4, 4, could well become kind of a handier labeler for a lot of people. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Chelsea defence become more interesting again. Mendy at the start of the season, I think was the most owned goalkeeper. So, you, you, I wouldn't be surprised to see James and Perfana in many starting teams because the 4.4 are a very handy enabler. So, one to keep an eye on with Chelsea, but they certainly haven't sorted it out thus far of the season. So, you've got Liverpool not doing very well, Man City probably matching expectations, and Chelsea falling below expectations. Spurs wise, I, I don't know. I mean, I. I I've never really was convinced by Perisic. I know loads of people, including James and FPL, was really vaunting the guy. I can see why I'm I'm not not knocking that. Great to the eye, of course. I'm just not sure with the Champions League coming back, how that's going to go. I I feel like I've kind of missed the boat on him entirely. It's a don't buy, don't sell sort of thing uh, with the Croatian. And... Well, I haven't got too much more to say on Perisic. You all know the score in terms of his great offensive abilities, and I think that he's probably the only one in the in the Spurs team that will constitute part of the Bigger Back setup. So, yeah, I guess overall, I think Robertson is the key kind of cause for why you may think Bigger Back has failed. FPL fail. Uh, I'd say the assist defenders, i I said, have done their job near enough. Reese James, in of himself, is a decent pick, but Chelsea's defence needs to sort it out and uh, I suppose it is still that Liverpool failure to keep clean sheets, which is the source of that continuing frustration. I would say that um, we'll come on to kind of uh, formation, formation changes in a bit. I would say that four or even three at the back is absolutely fine at the moment. I, I choose to keep Edison probably in goal if I had if, I'm, if I was wildcarding now. I'd keep the generational talent, which is Trent. I'd probably have Diaz or something over Cancelo. I think it's just not quite, it's just not quite going for Cancelo at the moment bar in the league this week. I'm certainly not selling him because I own him at the moment. But if I was wildcarding, I'd be thinking about saving the million there. And probably I'd add James if I was going to go for three at the back. If I was going to go for four at the back, I'd probably actually go for Trippier, actually. I think he's just an excellent option and, at the price point. That kind of attacking and defense potential in terms of points routes and good victories to come. Bielsa's buckets uh, just attack this in here. Also ask my thoughts on Arsenal's defense now that there's injuries. So I'll throw that in. I'm, I'm kind of you know, slightly concerned, I'd say. I mean, Ramsdale's injury, we'll need to see about. It's just unknown at the moment where it is. I'm sure you know those listening may have already heard from my by about the time you listen to this. Uh, but the lack of party really concerns me in terms of keeping clean sheets. It sounds like with the turn of return of Tomiyasu, we will be playing Ben White as the DM. And Arteta has said that he's you know acclimatising him to the role. So I'd not be surprised if that happens in the short term, barring any kind of transfers that do come in. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know whether Douglas Luiz, for example, who's been linked with us today, has gone through. I don't know. If White does start to play as the DM, he does fit that profile in terms of being the creative sort of anchor. I just have some questions with his ability to destroy in the way that Party can. One thing to note, though, is that we've actually got the second best defence thus far in the league in terms of XGA per 90 at 0.63. It's not far behind Man City. And if you think about it, the last two league concessions were actually really unlucky. You've got the Gabriel screw-up versus Fulham and all sorts of palaver when Douglas Luiz scored that corner uh, just this game week. So, yeah, it has, been, it has been unlucky. And I think we should have had, as I said last week, a few more clean sheets. Now, I guess maybe I should mention Ramsdale a little bit more. If he is injured, I think he might be worth a sell on. I do think the likes of Gabriel and Saliba are great value. But Ramsdale hasn't kept a single save point, hasn't gained a single save point this season. And that's probably due to the shots, the kinds of shots he's facing and our defense being better. I'd move off him if I owned him, I think. I'd use the injury probably as like a flimsy pretext to do so if I had nothing better to do. I know I said last week, you know, Rambo versus Sanchez. There's no point in moving that over. But I feel that Rambo on reflection is a bit of a like, he's like the little Edison at the moment. Like he's a two or a six point player where the majority majority of the time it's going to be a two at the moment, given our current sort of propensity to concede silly goals. And actually this week, I'm gonna I own Gabrielle and I'm gonna bench him against United in favor of Neko Williams. So I'm beginning to kind of wonder about our defense a little bit, but notably despite the silly errors in defense, we are still kind of snapping back and, and winning games, whereas last year we, we weren't doing that. So testament to the character of the team. But yeah, the defense is getting a little bit shaky, I'd 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 say Bielsa's buckets. Just, I I just think I'd keep the defender, but I'd seriously consider moving on Ramsdale, potentially. Next question. FPL Mirror asked me to reflect on their thinking, which is that it feels quite obvious to me, they say, that now is the time to bring in good players from teams that don't have European duties. Fixtures-wise, players from the likes of Brighton, Fulham, Leeds and Newcastle are where I'd look it's okay to keep big guns like Holland and Salah for captaincy but he says the likes of James, Perisic they're not of interest to him so what do I think of that? I mean I I actually definitely agree with this Uh, we need to see what goes on in the Champions League but as we mentioned pre-season with the five sub rule I think things are going to become a a little bit more bitty and we're going to see a fragmentation of the minutes for players at those clubs who are involved in European competition. The 5 sub rule has gone largely unnoticed in its introduction, despite all sort of the pre-season hoo-ha about it, because there's been this lack of uh, midweek action up until this point. But I think it will begin to have an impact. And you may see things like yeah, the likes of Gross, Mitrovic, Harrison, Isaac, etc. Uh, move up the uh, uh, our uh, our target, our prior- become more of a priority for us to bring in because of the expected minutes and i think that that is always kind of the key baseline factor we need to be bearing in mind when making sign-ins i'm not I, i'm not going to do it this week for example but i think this will influence my onward signings so i, I might maneuver out luis diaz eventually i may sell him for you know someone like gross or my talisman theory tip crossard which will enable me to then upgrade archer to Mitrovic. so I'm I am i I'm broadly behind this. I'm not of course saying we should panic and bin off players from top six willy-nilly, but it's definitely something that I consider. I, I just wanna as well just digress quickly here. Like consider is a really key term. It's not a definitive judgment. And a good example, I think, in terms of how we think about X Minutes was this week. Haaland versus Salah for captaincy, which mercifully, as I said earlier, for Salah captain has only led to a seven-point downward swing for you. I feel like a lot of the talk about Salah being the better captain was down to expected minutes, as if him playing the full 90 was somehow a precursor to a better score than Haaland only playing 60-ish. I'm just not entirely sure about that way of thinking. I think it might be a bit flawed in some ways because, in my opinion, when it comes to captaincy, I think it's actually more about ex start. The next, mins, um, like there are these players are excellent FPL assets who are able to score big in any game, regardless of how much time they actually have to play. It's a case of them for me being on the field to start the game because when you have next start, that creates kind of decent enough X mins, beautiful, confident. Like, no one expects a starter to play fewer than 60 minutes, barring a catastrophe, right? So, I mean. It's just, it normally is a bit of a letdown and I don't think it's ever really come off apart from a couple of sort of big ticket experiences that the captains come off the bench to do something. I remember like Aguero, his final game, I captained him for that, got 22 points of his brace. Salah off the bench against Crystal Palace, Um, but that doesn't happen very often. It really doesn't. It's a great example of availability heuristic, which is the tendency to remember the most salient, easily retrieved memories and also survivorship virus. Uh, the tendency to think something is more common than it actually is because the focus is naturally on events that pass through a range of qualifiers. So, you know, superlative events which happen. Rather than those that don't and are forgotten about. So you, you forget all the times that your captain only got like one point off the bench, but you remember all the times your captain did something off the bench because you know, th- those are th- those are particularly memorable. If your captain did fail like that, you tend to just kind of forget it and move on. So I mean, X starts when it comes to captains. Key for me, obviously hugely subjective when it comes to Pep, but it's something that I kind of think is worth factoring in when it comes to um, captains a bit a bit more than X mins or at least prioritise a bit more so anyway yes mirror i think x mins and transfers absolutely the best way to go obviously um, but when it comes to captains maybe there's you know, another way of looking at it a little bit but hey you know I- i'm very tired so that could be an adult ramble about nothing in particular next question sticking with the premiums uh, fpl raccoon uh, from my friend Rishi. he asks how much longer do we give salah the creator And Dave, seasoned of FPL, says all things being equal, who are the best premiums to own for the next few weeks. So in terms of Salah, I think that he still remains pretty interesting. He's got four returns in five games. He's still for XGI in terms of Statsbomb. But notably versus Newcastle, Statsbomb records him as having a 0.0 XG. I had to look through the last few seasons for Salah to see how common this is. And this is only the seventh time it's happened in his Liverpool career. And so very, very seldom that this happened. And hopefully, you know, if you are keeping him like I will probably be, uh, this doesn't happen again anytime soon. I still think minutes, and importantly, as, as, I said, as I said a second ago, X starts for Salah are probably still good enough to mean Rishi that I would keep hold of him. He's still you know, he's got loads of credit in the bank for us in terms of being able to return at any point. I wouldn't be like, rushing to get rid of him anytime soon. It'd be really interesting to see what happens when Nunez gets back in. Like, will he remain the creator? Like, we saw him kind of play that role um, when Nunez was in the team. I just don't know at the moment how that's going to shape up, but it'll be certainly interesting to see how that does go. As I said, lots of credit in the bank for Salah. I suspect we'd be looking at, you know, most players one or two blanks, and then maybe we're kind of thinking, oh, mm-hmm, not sure about that. If you are on the yes Mo rather than the no Salah camp, I think you're looking at kind of you know three or four blanks maybe before he's bombed out. Like you probably keep faith with him for a lot longer than other players just because of the credit he's got in the bank. And um, the FOMO remains massive, basically. And I think that he's definitely worth keeping hold of. And turning to Dave's question, then yes, I re- retain Mo for now alongside Holland especially if all things are equal. Uh, there's definitely a few others making the case. So I note that Mikel's transfer algorithm has Kane as the best captain for game week six against Fulham and game week eight against Leicester, for example. But it would take a brave man to remove ha- Haulham for that. <laughs> I didn't speak float uh, that idea with a few people, uh, but wow, well, no way I do that now. Um, or you could reshape to sell Salah if you wanted to I, I'm not again I'm, I'm just I'm just not sure about it even though Kane does have the x start so ooh, that could be a way you go if you wanted to go uh, debonair Sterling is also making a case here I'd mentioned too so he's not quite you know a top price premium, but some 9.9 fairly good fixtures an interesting uber differential it's just that Chelsea as I kind of touched on earlier are in a bit of a state of flux at the moment so a bit boring, Dave, but I'm probably keeping Mo and Haaland for now. Next question uh, FPL positivity asked about a Rodrigo replacement, and FPL Koboloy asks, Is my 3R problem, Ramsdale, Rodrigo, Robertson, enough to consider a wild card? He said he'd move over to a double city defense rather than double Liverpool defense. He says, double, he says that it's killing him, the current. Not, not, not literally, of course, but killing him in the current setup compared to what he wants. I've already discussed that, so hopefully that's kind of fairly useful. I've also probably discussed Ramsdale and Robertson in terms of defensive instabilities. Uh, Rodrigo, I can see why that's really annoying. Let's take that first, actually, and I'll discuss wildcarding quickly after that. So in terms of Rodrigo replacements, looking at FB ref, two names in the top 10, which are replacements for Rodrigo in the price range are Marcinelli. Who I assume most of you own already in fifth, and Pascal Gross in tenth in terms of xgi, either represent decent investment at the moment. Arsenal, of course, chugging along very nicely. Adam Pritchard on the Planet FPL Clash of correspondence pointed out, you know, that he kind of has taken on new lease life this year. Arteta certainly seems to trust him and have a lot of faith in him to deliver and then you know the likes of gross crossart etc etc decent features the next three are okay for brighton and they're quite good as well because you can generate some cash for later investment if you go with gross i do have a question on the 5.5s or so later on which i will come on to there's also the likes of zaha perhaps on the table where you can stretch there Someone like rashford too perhaps if, if you really want to go there it's one of those where I need specifics a little bit about your team, what you plan to do. There are loads of options on that smorgasbord. It's just a case of which one best fits your onwards plan. I know that's a bit of a ropey answer, but I'm afraid that's the best I can do uh, without knowing too much of a situation. It's a half answer as well. We'll speak about some of the cheaper players in just a minute. And in terms of wildcarding now, as was Koblai's question, my question back is still very much, what are you wildcarding to? Are you wildcarding to the template on the eve of a transition to loads of clubs suddenly having midweek concerns in terms of the players that you want to be buying, I'd just be tempted to wait on that for a couple of weeks uh, to to receive a lie of the land. Like, the template's performing well. And I expect you have a lot of players comprising that, you know, the likes of Trent, Cancelo, Marcinelli, Salah, Haaland, Jesus. So I just wonder if it's worth it right now without that kind of clear opportunity for differentiation as I go onwards. Now, there probably are a couple of examples where you could you know, differentiate, as I said earlier on, the likes of you know, the Mitrovichs of this world, the players who are going to be nailed. That could be a way to go. I just wonder whether a few calculated punts now and think about dead-ending uh, as we close upon the time to to kind of smash the wildcard bus and it could maybe be better bet and um, that being said i have the lovely voice of my friend pras uh ringing in my ears with regards to there being a low bar to wildcarding now like we'll be out of the trance window woods by tomorrow so i also said I wasn't the wildcard before the trance window closed and if you think you know yeah i'm gonna wildcard mm-hmm. as a cleansing ritual you know, to, to make sure you're good to go for the final 10 game weeks for the mid-season break, then cool. You know, we're now at that time where you can do it. Um, it's, it's it's very much horse for course again. I just wonder, could that could there be a greater need at some point later on? That's the only thing that will kind of be in my mind there about wildcarding, especially if you're only kind of fixing two or three of those problems. You can reconfigure Kobloid into other things using those. And I think that probably would be a better way to do it. You can make a decent fist of it, that's for sure. Now, a couple of questions on uh, team structure, which I've kind of touched on anyway, but let's do it again. Uh, Bryn Stewart, he asks, is it worth getting Alvarez and Haaland to cover rotation? And is the free up front therefore on, he asks. Do I envision, he says, going that way? Because he himself moved on to 4-3 this week with Mitrovic and got an eight-point swing. So well done, Bryn. And Ian Lamerton, he's got Robertson, Sackett, and Greenwood. He's saying, you know, it's getting quite tight. 0.1 million uh, is the buffer. Should he move those three onto Trippier, Zaha and Mitrovic? I'll also throw in Morgan Lindsay here who asked, is Isaac worth a punt over Mitrovic? So Alvarez and Haaland together, Bryn. It's a no from me, just because I like that double city defence, as I mentioned, I think that's pretty clear at the moment, but I can see why you might fancy it. I just don't think that it's worth it, given you'll probably find Alvarez's minutes in general pretty fitful and you'll quickly find yourself looking at other options there. I think Haaland will play the majority of the games and come off at, you know, 60-ish, something like that. So I wouldn't go too overboard in terms of fear of rotation. But again, if you're minded to just kind of engage in this dead-end strategy... Where you're getting your team in a position to be wild carded soon, it could make sense as a short term gambit if you're really kind of looking to have that insurance against rotation. Changing structure, uh, as Bryn asked, and uh, as also Ian implied, I think Ian, I'd be very tempted to do that in terms of what I said, not F F2- Susan F.P.O. Mirror's question earlier on. I really like all those players, Zaha in, in general, in proper talisman mode. And in terms of structure, yeah, I, I can really see 4 3 3 or 3 4 3 being consideration going forward. I can't see myself going without Jesus, purely because of the ownership, to be honest. I know that's really boring, but uh, I think that he is in the good tip playing for a good team, et cetera, et cetera, and Haaland. But as I said earlier on, I can see myself removing that additional midfield slot, so a Diaz or something, and bringing in a Mitrovic or a Tony, who are both in the top 10 for SGI, the 8th and 7th respectively on FB ref. Both got decent runs of fixtures uh, coming up. I think Mitrovic's starts, well, after chelsea in two weeks and um, both other teams talisman both from penalties and both seem to have a system set up to benefit them i was surprised again to see tony in the market forces. i think he hit the post this week i guess it's people swapping down to mitrovic because he did the goal this week but, no, but either of them look all right to me and as i said it also makes sense in terms of lessening exposure to european teams x-men's jeopardy like basically i would really like uh, ian's moves and we'll probably do something similar I don't have a Robertson problem, but Diaz of 6.5 mid or you know something like Bossard and Archer Dimitro is probably on next week, uh, so not after this week. And the and in answer to Morgan's question, Isaac, you know, took his goal very well, had a really nice goal disallowed for the, for the slightest of offsides, which caused all magpies everywhere to be screaming blue murder. I just um it's, it's one of those where you've got the initial reluctance to buy a player who's new to the Premier League. Versus kind of the thrill, the novelty factor of having someone new. He was very good two seasons ago. Last season wasn't the best season for Isaac. It'll be interesting to see how it works. I mean, Wilson's out for a bit. I think Chris Wood was kind of a bit of a banter signing last year to keep them up. I think Isaac is kind of feasibly a player who's going to be bedded into Eddie Howe's side. It was given minutes this week. I think it probably, you know, I think he took a lot of people by surprise and how well attuned he already looked to the league. Certainly could be a very decent punt if you aren't into Mitch Mitch, Mitchell-Tony. As I said with Trippier earlier on, very good fixtures for Newcastle coming up. So if you are interested in him, I think he could definitely be a player who could get, it could be one of those kind of cool Uber differentials that you get with a punt. If you vibe with the player, you fancy it, why not? And you can always trade down to Mitch Mitch, Mitchell-Tony. So if you feel that uh, uh, way inclined, Morgan, I, I definitely would be interested in doing that. What else have I got here? Yes, one final question. Hooray. I'm a, bit, a little bit tired, so I'm quite glad to have gotten to the end of this pretty quickly. Uh, Anthony FPL Stagg, who is the best 4.5 to 6.5 million midfielder? He notes that we've basically got the same team. We're on the same points. <laughs> we've just had an, uh, an Ezra versus Aronson battle recently, but he asks, who would you like ideally? I've answered a few questions surrounding kind of the more expensive players. So I'm going to engineer his question a little bit and make this into a 5.5 or below midfielders uh because i spoke about 6.5s earlier on makes my life a bit easier makes it flow better anthony knows how it is and that segues me very nicely too into the transfers and (laughs) captains yes anthony i've done it i've changed your completely changed what your question was to suit my own ends sorry Um, So to preface my transfers and captains before I get into answering Anthony's question, my team just scored me 90 points, so I won't be taking the hatchet to it. If James does drop tonight or Saturday, I might find myself just reversing Cucurella to James. But if he doesn't, I'm looking to potentially move Aronson on. So he did get an assist this week, but one thing from watching him I've realised is that he's actually more of a defensive player than an offensive one, oddly. Like the energy is in the press off the ball. And that's why he's so advanced on the position match, on the average position. And that's why I think he's prized by Marsh. I know this has all been kind of written in the literature as well. And that seems to be what's important about him rather than his ability on the ball. Obviously, a very small sample size, my own eye test, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm thinking of, I'm thinking I could just move him on. I've looked at a few players, you know, I've looked at, you know, bringing Neza back, who's still an absolute baller. I mentioned that, you know, maybe moving Gross into because I've got a little 0.9 million to play with now. But I still think, I don't know, I, I never really was convinced by him. I mean, the first season's Premier League, yeah, absolute gold, talisman hero. I've still got some sort of credit in the bank with me. I've said that a few times this pod, but anyway, um, in terms of that. But I'm just not sure. Uh, McAllister, a little bit too deep. Um, Trossard's, my talisman theory tip for this year, is a bit out of reach for me. I guess what, what, I'm do- what I've been doing, Anthony, is I've been thinking about that pod I did with Lucy a while back in terms of the enablers which is why I've got Ezra, and I think potentially why you've got Ezra as well, because it's all about vibes, this slot. It's about a fun time, you know, who do you kind of have a gut feel about, a hunch about, where's the magical thinking taking you? And in the absence of a lot of data, I'm fairly intrigued by the idea of just playing the fixtures with an ultra differential once more, like I did with Ezra for the Villa game. All of this leads me to start looking at Morgan Gibbs-White at Forest. So the next three for Forest are Bournemouth, Fulham leads and i feel they must be pegged as a uh, must win i mean admittedly they've got an entirely new squad They did it um, against Man City. But Morgan gives white, as he was playing in the old squad, (laughs) was playing in an advanced role. He's on set pieces, and this actually tracks more goal threat than the other kind of option in that squad in terms of the midfield J Lings. So a very small sample size, but two shots on target to zero, double the shots in the box. I think it's three to six, far more crosses via the corners, and the best for XGI. So I'm beginning to think I may go with that. It's again a low-risk punt in that sort of price category. Um, I guess. One consideration though is that I'm likely to be playing uh, Neko, not Neto, Neko Williams this week as well. So I may end up with double forest this week, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. But it's just one week, both are fairly attacking assets. I think I'd, uh, you know, I, I would, if you are looking at a player in that particular category, I think you, you've always got to just kind of think, all right, who's got good fixtures? Who has that sort of, you know, the, the ingredients of talismanship about them? And I just, I think, why not with someone like Gibbs White? The whole slot is basically, a why not a slot? So, yeah, that's where I'll probably be going, uh, as I just mentioned as well, because I'm, playing uh, neko williams i'm going to be benching gabrielle this week um and i think the transfers are uh, to move on to match we'll transfers and captains either that morgan gibbs white move in for aronson or if james does fall and i can get him back in one move i might end up doing that it looks like he might fall tonight so there's a good chance i wait until you know if it doesn't happen, it looks like he's still kind of continuing to fall. I might wait until Saturday morning before making my transfer. Uh, we'll see. Um, I, I I do I do want Rich change back. I think it's going to happen. And it could, could like, uh, stave off a wild card, et cetera, et cetera. Perfectly happy to play Aaronson against Brentford. But I do like that that Morgan Gibbs-White punt. I could even just do the 2 free transfers. I'm not sure yet, though, because I think I want the 2 to move on Diaz eventually and uh yeah captain wise the early withdrawal for holland means i'm probably going to give him the armband once more uh I, mean, I could change my mind and think you know H- salah versus everton and go with that but it's between it's between one of those two and i think it's, it's got to be holland at the moment but if, if any news comes out that he's probably you know not going to play or you know any speculation comes and i'll probably kind of just frighten myself onto salah if that x start is impacted then yes that's the Egyptian King I go. Anyway, that's your lot. Thanks for listening. As I said, a quick pod, a quick turnaround ahead of the new game week on Saturday. We were, or I was, who got the assist to find me on Twitter at WTA. Or Lucy on Twitter at Lucy Hine with tts. And if you like listening listen to this, please subscribe to the podcast for new listeners and, and hit that five-star rating across things like iTunes, Spotify, etc., etc., as it helps get the pod out there further i hope you enjoyed this hope i assisted you good luck on game week six and i'll speak to you again next week and i'll be joined by lucy once again after what seems like an absolute bloody age so yeah something to look forward to have a good weekend speak to you very very soon see ya oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist